Joshua 1, verse 1. I'm just going to read through uh, verse 9 to give us a little context of the life of Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to you, or to them, the children of Israel. Every place, and by the way, when you read the scripture, just put your name in there and just say, you know, God is speaking to me and this is scripture to me. This is a promise. And so we can apply this promise right now to ourselves in verse 3. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, that's a great, that's a great promise right there, isn't it? No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, as I was with Billy Graham, as I was with other great people that you know in your life, as I was with Moses... So God, or I, will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Beautiful words, isn't it? Verse 6, be strong and of good good courage. Can I get a cup of water? Be Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I gave, or which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Thank you. Uh, That you may prosper wherever you go. There's the prosperity formula right there. If someone wants to know how to prosper with God, just read that verse and meditate on it sometime. This book of the law in verse 8 shall not depart from your mouth But you shall meditate on it day and night, that you observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, be not dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Those are verses that I want us to digest and to assimilate for the new year. Um, God is going to take us places as a church. God is going to take us places as families. And God is going to take us places as individuals into new territory this year. That's going to happen. Think of last January 1st. What God has done for you this year. When we look back, we want to only look back at the faithfulness of God in our lives. Look what God has done in your life. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? I'm just amazed. I'm astounded at what God has done in our lives this past year. God has done a lot. Praise be to God. It's awesome, isn't it? And I think we could just take like a measure of time and just thank the Lord for that and to worship God and give Him thanks for what He's done. The great promise to enter the promised land came after many years of preparation in Joshua's life. Just, just focus with me here for a moment because I really want us to take home a few points here that are going to help us out as we, as we face this new year. 
Joshua chapter 1 verses 1 through 9 did not happen immediately. These verses happened after several years, many years of preparation in Joshua's life. And we know that Joshua is a type of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, leading his church into the promised land. But we can also look at Joshua too in, in our own personal lives because in many ways we are many Joshua's to people. You are a Joshua to someone, someone that does not have or to a group of people that do not have maybe a lot of understanding of the nature of God and the plan of God. If you're a husband here today, then you are a type of a Joshua in your family. If you are a wife or a mother, then you in many ways or a grandparent, you are in many ways a Joshua in that family. The first point I want to make here about Joshua is that Joshua wasn't chosen he wasn't chosen first and then prepared to lead, okay? He wasn't, God didn't come to Joshua and say, I'm going to make you a great man. I'm going to make you a powerful leader. I'm not, God didn't come first to Joshua and say, Joshua, I'm going to make you great. He first began a process of preparation in, jo- in Joshua's life. And we're going, to, we're going to look at this together. There are seven stages that I want to look at with you today of how God prepared Joshua for this Joshua chapter 1. Seven stages, seven things that God had to do in Joshua's life. These are seven things that God has to do in our lives too as we approach the new year, as we approach new territory, new land, a place that we haven't been before. Seven things. Number one, and by the way, many people fail to enter into the promised land that God has for them because they resist the preparation. Think of that. Whatever age that we're at today, we have a year before us that is just an amazing year. And it's a year that God wants us to be prepared for. Preparation is something that puts us in a place to possess those possessions that we talked about last week. Preparation. Don't resist God's plan of preparation in your life because a lot of things are happening in your life today that may be very hard. I, you know, none of us could ever successfully walk in each, each other's shoes for very long because we don't have the grace to live somebody else's life. But you know something? There are things happening in your life that are, is part of the plan of preparation for you. And some say, well, I'm over 60 or I'm under 18 and I don't really, you know, what, what difference can I make? Well, I'll tell you what, Joshua and Caleb, the only two men out of the 12 spies that went into the land were both 80 plus years old. So if you're feeling a little old today <laughs> in the new year, cast it down. That's just, just not of God to think like that. Yes, of course, we may be moving a little slower, but do you know something? Two great men, Joshua and Caleb, were 80 plus. That's a great, if I was going to do a senior citizen's Bible study, I'd start with that chapter right there, you know. How old was Moses when he started his call with God? 80, right? How old was, well, we could go on and on, but age means nothing to God. It's just where are we at in our vertical with Jesus Christ today? That's really what matters. God can raise up a 16-year-old boy to defeat Israel's greatest enemy. God can do anything with anybody. Josiah, I think, was eight years old when he became king of Israel. Can God do that with a kid today? Yes, he can. Absolutely. I believe he can. So number one, Jesus, uh, Joseph, 
was under the training of Moses. And you know, in some translations of the Bible, the word Joseph, uh, did I say Joseph? Joshua. Excuse me. I need more water. Joshua. Here we go. Joshua and the word Joshua and the word Jesus are, the, are synonymous, are the, same, are the same word in some translations of the Bible in Europe. When you read about the life of Joshua, in some translations, it's actually saying Jesus. What does that mean? That, the, that the, the, the life of Joshua and the life of Jesus in many ways are synonymous and the one and the same in the people of God. And so Joshua spent many years of preparation. Today, I want to talk about the preparation that Joshua had. Next time we speak, I want to talk about the, uh, the conquering of how God use Joshua to conquer the land. And then the third message, we'll talk about how Joshua administrated all of that land with good leadership skills. So we have three great messages ahead of us. Joshua, number one, and there's, remember, seven stages that God wants you and I to go through to prepare us for that moment where we reach Joshua chapter one, verses one through nine. Number one, Joshua was under the training of Moses. That's very important because Joshua was not training himself. There's a lot of stuff out there in the world today where you can train yourself. And that, that, that can happen. But we all need a Moses in our life. Who is your Moses? I want to ask you that. Who is God's man in your life? He may not be perfect, but we need to make that clear in your life. First of all, who is the man of God that is in your life? If there isn't, then it's going to be, we're not going to even get to step number two. There has to be a man man of God in your life that God is speaking to you through. Someone that you have made up in your mind that this is your your pastor, your your leader, your your church, your family, your church body. Joshua learned how Moses interceded for Israel in the battle of Amalek. And this is the first stage, Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 and 9. I'm going to go through a lot of different scriptures, and I'm not going to read them all. But Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 and 9, there was a battle, if you remember correctly, that there was a battle that was going on. And as long as Moses' arms were up as he prayed on a cliff over the battle, then the Joshua and his army against Amalek were winning. Remember that story? How many remember that story from Sunday school? And then what happened to Moses' arms? What happened? They started going down, right? That's why we did that exercise at the beginning of the service this morning. We, did, we all stretched our arms out. And then when his arms went down, Aaron had to come as a priest and lift up Moses' arms. And as long as those arms were up in intercession, then Joshua and his armies were winning. But as soon as those arms went down, then the battle was being lost. What was the lesson there? The lesson was that Joshua, in his skill as a military leader at a very young age, as we see the first instance and mention of Joshua, is, is not succeeding unless the man of God is in intercession. We need, as little Joshua's, we need intercession in our life. And I want to tell you that during the week, God puts you on my mind. Sometimes if you get a call from me out of the blue, uh, don't think that I know what's going on in your life. I just, I'm, I'm just praying for you, you know? Like, oh, the pastor just called me. We're in trouble. 
I don't know who gives what for tithes. I never count that. So please don't think that I'm calling you because somebody's not giving money in the plate. Actually, I know a story where there was a priest that knocked on someone's door because they had not been giving in the, in the offerings. We don't do that here. But, but Moses, as long as his hands were up, they were winning. This is the first thing that Joshua had to learn, that Joshua, as a young leader, as someone that was being prepared by God, was not winning in his life because of his own youthful strength, but because of intercession, because of prayer. That's a huge lesson, that you and I are here today where we're at because someone prayed for us. How many could say that they have been the subject of someone's prayers? How many could say that? How many have ever felt somebody praying for you? How many, is, how many have ever had someone call you and say, you know what, I don't know why, but I'm just God put you on my mind and I'm praying for you today. You ever get a text message like that? That's amazing, isn't it? That's the Holy Spirit. That means that you're on God's mind. That's the big point. That's the first step in preparation. Understand that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the intercession of God's people that we are that we are experiencing victory. And that's what's happening here in our church. We are where we are today, not because of our own power and strength and whatever it is. It's because people are praying. There's probably someone we may not even know that is praying for us. How many remember a few weeks ago, there was an older couple that came here, uh, Lynn and um, Karen, I believe her name were. They were an older couple, and they came through the doors, and they said, we used to go to this church. They said, we actually built this church. We were teenagers when, we built, when this church was built. And their names are on the, uh, the crossbeams in chalk up there above the ceiling here. And they said, we pray for this church. We pray for this little place here on, in Hatboro. And I said, you know what? That's why, that's why we're experiencing the blessing of God because prayer always makes a difference. That's number one. Number two, Joshua had to learn from how Moses received from God. Okay? The first three stages of Joshua's life are external things. Number one, he had to see how Moses interceded. Number two, he had to see how Moses received from God. And this is in Exodus chapter 24. Remember when Moses said, I have to go up to the Mount, I have to go up Mount Sinai and take the tablets that God's going to deliver, the Ten Commandments? Who did Moses take with him? He took Joshua. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing about leadership and discipleship. When we're on a mission, we always want to take somebody with us. Grab somebody. Just take someone. Hey, Joshua, come with me. Where are we going? I don't know. We're just going to go up the mountain. We're going to receive something from God. And when we do that, Joshua sees how Moses, as a man of God, receives from God. This is so important as part of our preparation that we learn how to receive things from God. You know, God will put people in your life that will show you this is how to receive. And you'll see, wow, they, they know how to receive things from God. I want to learn how to do that. That's number two. And number three... Joshua learned how Moses dealt with fallen hearts and failure of God's people. Now, this is a very difficult lesson. This is Exodus 32. Remember, they're up on the Mount, Mount Sinai. God is speaking to Moses. He's receiving the tablets. Joshua is off at a distance. He's watching Moses' intimacy with God. And, and then Moses comes down halfway down the mountain, meets Joshua. And then what happens? What are the, what are the children of Israel doing in Exodus 32? They made a golden calf. 
right? They made a golden calf. This calf was a representation of one of the gods of Egypt where they came from. The children of Israel got impatient waiting for, for uh, Moses and Joshua, so they built a calf. Joshua had to watch that. Joshua had to watch God's people stumble and falter and fail. You know, this is a big part of preparation. It's a hard thing to watch when people stumble and fall. Many of us have seen men and women of God that we respect, friends of ours, that have made mistakes in their life and really have catastrophic consequences. And it really affected other people. Here, Aaron was the instigator of the whole thing. Aaron, the high priest, the guy who's supposed to be the spiritual one. He's the one that takes the people, gets all of their jewelry, and makes a golden calf. Aaron's the type of leader that doesn't do very well without a Moses in his life. There's different kinds of leaders. Some leaders are great leaders like Moses that are really self, you know, in a lot of ways self-determinate. They are, they are really men that um, are just really gifted with God and self-motivating and but then there are some kind of leaders that don't do by them, don't do well by themselves. And they need to have, they always need to be connected to a Moses in their life. And that's not bad. It's just a different kind of leader. Every leader should have a pastor in their life. And many pastors that have failed have always always will tell you that, uh, that it was because of a lack of accountability in their life at some point. And so number three, Joshua had to be prepared and learn how to deal with failure. When we see people fail, when we see people fail, we need to know that God is bigger than that failure, <clears throat> right? We need, to how to, we need to know how to apply the finished work in their life. We need to know how, what the process of God is, that we go to someone alone in Matthew eighteen fifteen. That was a big thing. That was part of Joshua's preparation, that to see the people, to see someone fail, but to not lose your sacred respect for them. This is a big thing. Some leaders can see people fail, and then they become cynical of people. They become suspicious and paranoid and, and cynical. Cynical means that, they don't, that, that a person looks at another person and looks at everything in their life that there's no purity in it. It's just everything is just same old, same old. A cynical leader or a cynical Joshua may look at someone and say, Oh, they just look pure, but we all know that there's probably something going on in their life that's just horrendous. That's cynicism. That's not faith. It's unbelief. And it's not the way God looks at people. So Moses had to learn how to deal with that. And I want to just, I'm parking here for a minute. How do we deal with people's failures? Well, first of all, we go to them alone in Matthew 18, 15. We don't go broadcasting it to the church or to everyone else because other people don't know what to do with that information because they're not involved, right? Um, what, is, what, is, what is Moses going to do with the situation here with the children of Israel? They are having an unbelievable crazy party down there with, with the golden calf. And Joshua had to watch how Moses dealt with this. He was severe. He was very specific. He was not sentimental. And there was a great victory afterwards and there was a great growth after the whole process this is important because I think as a pastor or as a wife or as a mother or wherever we are at in our life a single person we're going to observe failure 
of God's people. And the real key here is, is that we don't lose our holy respect and sacredness for the way we look at God's people because that's what David did. Remember we talked about David's attitude towards Saul? Saul was just a carnal, self-centered, self-loving leader that just loved himself. And if anyone ever asked him a question or ever challenged him in any way, Saul would react and get defensive and just push everybody away and just become self-centered and say, no one loves me. No one wants to believe me. No one follows me. But what did David do? David did not lose his respect because God, David saw God's hand on Saul. And David said, I can't touch this man. God will deal with him. And David did go to Saul alone, understanding Matthew 18, 15, even before it was written. And so that's the third thing that Joshua learned how to do, how to deal with the failure of God's people. Then there's another three things that were, that were things that were not external that were preparation, but internal preparation. And I'm hoping these seven things will really help us as we face this new year. Three internal things that Joshua had to go through before he could qualify to be God's leader. Remember, Joshua went through a lot of preparation before he was chosen. Joshua didn't have this in his mind like, I'm going to go through this whole program because God has chosen me to be someone great. Joshua had no idea what was going to happen in his life until later on. So number four, Exodus 33, verse 11, Joshua learned the internal discipline of prayer. These are internal disciplines. One of my favorite verses in Bible college was Exodus 33, verse 11. And let's read this together. Exodus 33, verse 11. This tells us about the unique relationship that David, I mean, that, that Moses had with God and with Joshua. Exodus 33, verse 11. It says this. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. What a beautiful relationship God had with Moses. Face to face. It's amazing. As a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the and he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So what do we see here? We see Joshua, a young man, in the tabernacle, observing the relationship that Moses had with God. And then Moses leaves. But Joshua doesn't leave. He stays there. He continues his study in the presence of God. He continues being hidden in the tabernacle, in the temple of God. He stays there. And he's learning, and he's growing, and he's, he's being developed. You know, there are many, many leaders today, but most of them are underdeveloped. Many leaders today, but they're undeveloped people. You know, there's many talented people that are out there, but they're just not prepared. Uh, you can see them every day. They're, they have influence. They have a crowd following them. They may, they may even be in the sports world. And you can see that they have a measure of influence over other people. But what happens? They're undeveloped, and it falls apart. The whole thing falls apart. You know, that's sad to see. But Joshua, number four, had the internal discipline of a prayer life. He went. He had a secret place. I'm going to ask you today: Do you have a secret place that you go to to pray? You can come here during the week. You know, if you need the doors open, then give us a ring. We'll make sure the doors are open for you. You can come in here and pray. Just be quiet. You know, it's a quiet place. Do you have your own little room that you go to, or do you have a place that you walk to? Learn that internal discipline of prayer in Exodus 33, verse 11. And number five, the fifth thing that Joshua had to learn in his preparation was how to deal with jealousy. 
how to deal with jealousy and God using other people. Ooh, <laughs> that's tough, isn't it? See somebody else in the church getting recognition or being used, and you're kind of like, wait a minute, I did that last week, but nobody ever said thank you, or no one ever clapped, or no one ever recognized it. And that can happen. And you know, you, get, you, can, remember, you can realize this, it's God doing that. It's not people. <laughs> it's not people that's not doing something or not, you know. It's God is using situations that are much bigger than us. Where do we see this? Numbers chapter 11, verses 26 through 29. Numbers chapter 11, verses 26 through 29. What's happening there? Well, Joshua and Moses are together. And then there's this talk in the camp that there are two men that are prophesying in the camp. And they were men that never were in the tabernacle. They were men that never were being in any line of training. They were, they were people that, just out of the blue, that God chose to use spontaneously to do something. And Joshua runs to Moses, and what does he say? Because Moses, you've got to stop these two guys from prophesying. They haven't been trained. They're not in the tabernacle. I mean, I'm just adding to the scripture here a little bit. I'm trying to, trying to get an idea of the way it looked. Joshua was maybe a little, a little jealous that, wow, these guys are prophesying and people are listening to them and they haven't really had any training. And here I am in the tabernacle every day, Exodus 33, verse 11. I'm not getting any fame or recognition. God's using them. And that's an internal discipline that Joshua had to learn that, you know something, it's not about me. It's not about if I get used or not because... We said this, I don't know when we said this, but 90% of the time, God's not going to show you and I how he's using us. Because <laughs> if we could see all the times how God is using us, we'd walk around with like heads the size of the Goodyear blimp. Right? We'd be so puffed up, we'd be so proud of ourselves. God has to hide from us, lest we would hide how he's using us, lest we would become proud. And that's the fifth thing, an internal discipline that Joshua needed to learn. How not to get jealous and compare himself with other people. Joshua was who he was. And God may put you on the shelf for a while. There's a pastor, and I don't remember who, who he was, but he wrote this amazing thing about how God puts people on the shelf for a while. It's okay, you know, it's not the end. Let's not worry about it because it's all preparation. Number six. Number six is a big one. How to walk by faith into God's will despite discouraging circumstances. This is Numbers chapter 13, verse 16. Very discouraging time at this moment in Numbers chapter 13, verse 16. It's very difficult moments where, where it's determined that many, many of the Hebrews are not going to make it to the promised land. As a matter of fact, we said earlier, it was over 600,000 of the, of the Hebrews that left Egypt never made it to the promised land because of unbelief. Joshua heard that, and then he understood that Moses wasn't going to even make it because he, he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. And what happens was is this, is that Joshua had to process this to see that there was many, many, there was a very discouraging situation. And Joshua, and let's read this together, Numbers chapter 13 um, Verse 16, Numbers 13, verse 16. I have a new Bible here, or a newer Bible. And uh, I usually can just flip to it. Numbers chapter 16, verse 13. Yeah, 
I'm sorry, 13, 16. My dyslexia is coming out. Number 13, verse 16. We see the names of those that Moses sent to spy the land. And when they had Moses had told them to go and look at the land, and when they came back, they gave, some of them gave a place, gave a bad report, an evil report, and that resulted in a change of direction in God's people. God understood that his people were not ready to take the promised land because they were just living in unbelief about God's nature and about what God was doing. But Joshua had to process that. And that's the, that's the thing that we're going to experience as we are going forward in this year, that sometimes there's going to be a sharp right-angle turn in the plan of God. I mean, it's going to be almost whiplash. We're going to be going down a road, and then it's going to be a sudden left-hand turn. I did that this morning. I was coming down Alms House and forgot that Mearns Road is right there and just had to do almost a right-angle turn with my car. That can happen sometimes in the plan of God, but we got to continue to walk by faith. And when we're faced with discouragement, very discouraging circumstances, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. We all know that taste of discouragement, don't we? We are going down the road and then suddenly we are discouraged and we can feel it in our heart. It's almost something like you can feel in your bloodstream, isn't it? You're just discouraged, like, wow, why did that not work out? I was really hoping, and maybe you were even praying and asking God, but discouragement is part of the road where God is working something into our life so that we can be prepared for that event down the road where God wants to pour out a blessing in our lives. And so this is number six that, but you know what happened? You know what happened in Numbers chapter 13, verse 16? Joshua's name is changed. What does that mean? God changes people's name in the Bible when they go from one point to another point in their spiritual walk with, with them. Peter's name was changed from Simon to Peter in Matthew chapter 16. Do you remember that? You shall be no longer called Simon, the carnal, unbelieving guy who was just following along. You shall be called Peter, which is mature and walking, in the, in the, uh, walking as a disciple of Jesus Christ. God changes Joshua's name. Joshua means helper. But he's changed now to another name, which is Jehoshua, which means God is our helper. See what happens? Where do we grow the most? In success? When everything's going great? No, we're not growing then. We're just kind of cruising along, aren't we? You know, we're, we are growing the most when we are discouraged, when we're hit with discouragement, and when we, when we are faced with very bad circumstances that we are just tempted to... to, to, to um, to question the nature of God or question ourselves. Our names are changed when things get discouraging, when times get tough. So we just keep taking those steps forward and say, you know what, God is with me. God is preparing me for something. And as we do that, we discover in Numbers chapter 14, growth. We see God begin to move. And then lastly, number seven, here is the last stage of Joshua's preparation before he gets to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua is promoted. Wow, day of promotion, the diploma day. How many have ever gotten that diploma and just are so happy that we've, you know, that there was so much fanfare and pictures and a party and how many have ever been to a graduation party? Nobody here. 
Has anybody here graduated from anything? <laughs> from the school of hard knocks, right? <laughs> how, do you, how many of you remember that day of graduation where you got your diploma and you had that special weird outfit that hat never stays on? And where that ever came from, I have no idea. But that flat square hat, which is really odd. You know something? That day came for Joshua. That day in Numbers 27, verse 12 through 23, Joshua is promoted. God says, make Joshua. He's the next guy. And Moses goes to Joshua and anoints him. But it's a very small event. It's not some big thing. And this is another internal discipline that we need to learn, that when promotion comes, when that day of exaltation comes, when God promotes us into another level of his plan, it may not be like, there may not be a band out there plan and then just, you know, with crowds cheering and confetti everywhere. You know, I remember the first day I came here to preach in this church, you know, and I was going to be the pastor here, and I came in, and, and it was interesting. There was no bands playing, no confetti. People were kind of looking at me like, what are you going to do? <laughs> is this going to be painful? <laughs> you know, I thought, okay, wow, you know, this is going to be fun. Pastor Tony and I and my wife and Anne-Marie, you know, so far so good, right? God promoted Joshua, but there was not a lot of fanfare, and that has to be okay with us. We have to be okay with that. You know, we all have that grandois, how do you say, grand, grandois or grandiose dream in our mind of that day when I become great and famous and thousands will be cheering me and it'll be wonderful and I'll get off that plane on that mission field and the president of the country will be there welcoming me with open arms and the whole nation will want to get saved. No, that doesn't happen like that because promotion comes in a very quiet, in a very simple way and it's just us and God and that has to be something that we're okay with. I'm going to close with this. God wants to take us to that place where we begin to see little victories in our family. You know, we went out with some of the guys last yesterday afternoon for some lunch, and we were just saying, isn't it great how God just shows us little victories that God's with us on the way? You know, things could go one way or the other, but it, it goes God's way, and we just see that it's God, and we're encouraged. I just want to close with that, that for us to read and understand Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. We have to understand that there's a process, and we can't resist the process. Let's not be one of those people that run away when things get a little tough. Like, oh, I think God's... You know, if God leads you somewhere, great. I'm, I'm not talking to you, but, you know, sometimes when God's finger gets on somebody's life and God's just working, and then they're just like, they're like, they slip, you know, they're, they slip away into, you know, it's like... Uh, trying to catch one of those slippery things, you know, sliding all over the place. And that can happen with us in the plan of God. Let God have his way. And don't be under, underdeveloped and unprepared. I like one of the words for sanctification that I like is prepared. Sanctification means preparation. God just showed me that maybe a couple weeks ago, that preparation means I'm, getting, I'm being sanctified. In my, I'm setting myself apart for something awesome in my life that God wants to do and do we believe that today or is that just another nice Sunday morning message is that something that we want to apply in our life and 
that, you know what, God's with me. I want to I live like that, that God is with me, God loves me, I'm a sinner saved by grace, I don't deserve to be here, but God's with me, and he wants to do something in my life that's so much more awesome than he's ever done in anyone else in, in my family. Do we think like that? Or is it me trying to prepare myself for that promised land? Is it me trying to acquire those things in my life that only God can give me? Life with God is awesome because it's when we wait on Him, He gives us the best and He leads us into that promised land. So next week we're going to talk about, or next time I speak, we're going to talk about the um, conquest of the land and those battles that Joshua fought. And that's going to be very exciting. Amen? Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we...